Welcome to All Things Pilates, Season 4. Though we can't know exactly what Joseph Pilates was thinking or feeling towards the end of his life, we do know he wanted the entire world to practice Contrology, and that want has certainly become a reality. Hello everyone, I'm Darian Gold, and here on All Things Pilates, we discuss the man, the method, and how his genius continues to influence and inspire. Entrepreneurship, what is that exactly? And what does it have to do with the Pilates method? Well, if you are a Pilates instructor or studio owner, then you may find this interview especially interesting. Our guest is George Tingo, an entrepreneur who has a 40-year career in business and law and having founded and practiced law in a San Francisco-based business law firm. He was the founder, CEO of a multitude of national and international service, manufacturing, and technology companies, including CEO for a publicly traded company. In addition, Mr. Tingo has founded, owned, and operated a host of businesses with worldwide locations, operations, and sales, including a manufacturing facility and operations in Malaysia and the United States, restaurants in Mexico and California, GPS and SMS technology-based businesses in Nebraska, Florida, Texas, and California, an oil field services business in North Dakota, a nutrients and supplements manufacturing and sales business in Utah, and he is currently the CEO and owner of a custom home construction business in Santa Rosa, California, with existing construction projects totaling approximately $100 million. Although George Tingo has not been an active member of the California State Bar since 2017, he continues to call upon his decades of legal experience on a daily basis. And so this leads us to today. For those of us who own our own studios, and even those who are independent Pilates instructors, I've asked George from his perspective what it takes to keep a business running and how better we might manage our studios. As George will explain, a healthy business has three goals, your business for profit, your business for the betterment of others, and thirdly, your business for creating your own peace of mind. George is an avid golfer and yoga practitioner and though I haven't won him over with Pilates yet, as Joe might say, the day is still young. Hello, George. Welcome to the show. Hi, Darian, and hi, everybody out there. God, I'm exhausted from just listening to that <laughs> intro of, the, of those things. It's, you have so much experience, George. It's unbelievable. I think back on all those years and all those things. It's a wonder I'm still alive from it, actually. <laughs> Why did you transition from being a practicing attorney to that of a businessman? That was interesting for me as a transition. First of all, I wasn't married at the time and didn't have a family. So it was a little easier for me to make a financial transition. But mostly it revolved around 
couple of important things. Number one, um, although I really liked the intellectual aspect of practicing law in those days, we went to the library and got out the books and wrote briefs and uh, which they still do today, but it's of course all done online. And I really liked that crafting the argument aspect of that business, but there wasn't a lot of building something uh, that you could carry and see and, uh, and feel. And I really liked that with the clients that I was working with. And I think I kind of reached a point where I couldn't figure out if I didn't like more dealing with the lawyers I had to work with every day or talking to my clients who were unhappy about a litigation they were in. So I thought, boy, that's about 90% to 100% of the people I speak to every day might be time to get on the other side of the desk and, and really start to build something. So I found a manufacturing facility to start to build and slowly worked on that and uh, enjoyed that process. And that became uh, a lifelong ambition of mine to sit at the table and think about what you want to do, think about a plan, think about how you could go about it, think about what could be, write it all out, and then actually day-to-day -day watch that come to fruition is what excites me. So you didn't get to do that when you were an attorney? Well, as an attorney... There was no creativity? No, I thought there was a lot of creativity, actually. There was a lot of intellectual creativity. I think what it lacked for me was was watching something grow and build. I mean, even just this construction company that I took over a few years ago, it was literally uh, my current partner and, uh, and someone assisting him in his garage at his home. And I sat down and thought about what could be, and now we're in 7,000 square feet of beautiful office space. I'm looking out on a lake and We've got computers everywhere and people walking around the office and we're building product everywhere. And sometimes I do sit back and look at it all and say, wow, this started out at the kitchen table thinking, hmm, what could I make out of that? <laughs> so that's what's exciting. Like Steve Jobs. <laughs> and you've had so much success in business around the world and in so many different fields. You still want to keep creating? Sure. And truth be told, I've had my fair share of failures also. Although I did find over the years that uh, the failures are a bitter pill and can be very painful and emotionally draining. But I'll tell you, those lessons from the failure are, are well-learned and, and well-remembered. Uh, so if you've ever gone through that, it's part of the process. And I've often said, you can't get where you're going until you've been where you've been. And if you've been somewhere that's, uh, that's been that for you, I'm sure you've grown from it. Basically, we do need failure in our ascension to success. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, off topic a bit, you know, I've found over the years that, in fact, a lot of people found early success and made significant amounts of money early in their careers, whether it was by virtue of luck or, or skill or a combination of both, really didn't get the full benefit of an understanding of life and an understanding of people. And um, I think that that's important for your own personal growth. So uh, I think that 
it's as important as the uh, as as the successes are. What is it about what you're doing now that makes you want to get up every day? What gets me up every day is, as I indicated earlier, is watching the growth process. And I also enjoy the self-satisfaction that I get out of running an enterprise and helping the people who are here. Um, I feel responsible for people's families, for feeding people's children and with the decisions that I make. And so uh, I think that that is important to me to be a good leader and make good decisions. So it's building and it's thinking about others around, uh, around me. I think those things are enough to get you up in the morning. That goes to what I was saying in the intro. You described that there are three parts to a healthy business. And one is obviously for profit. The other one, as you just were speaking about, for the betterment of others. And also the third one is for everyone's peace of mind. Can you elaborate on each part? First one for profit, because we all have to pay our bills and eat and maybe have a little fun. Sure. You know, other people would probably not describe it in those terms. But for me, I always found that I wanted to have peace of mind in the business. I wanted to be successful in a way that made me feel confident and comfortable and not frantic about, can we pay the bills? And is this going to work? And are the people going to come in the door, et cetera? Um, and also, especially in what you all do or the yoga world or any metaphysical kind of understanding of life like that, you people do it in large part also for the betterment of other of other people. But the fact of the matter is, whether we like it or not, whether we like to think about it, whether we really enjoy it or not, you really can't have peace of mind in your business and you can't help other people unless you can have a successful financial business, because there aren't many of us who can afford to continue to run year after year a business that's not profitable or at least holds its own and breaks even because otherwise you have to be pumping money into the business all the time. So it's not the fun part of the business, but it's an essential part of the business. And I'm pleased to talk to you all about it today. So profit is number one, because without profit, you can't really help others that you were speaking to with the with your employees, right? And then that creates a certain peace of mind, knowing that you are making money, you are helping others, and that gives you a sense of satisfaction and knowing you're you're doing good in the world, even though the first part of the business is you have to make a profit because how can you sustain if you go year after year without without making a profit and you're just just above the surface? And I, this is one reason why I wanted you on today, because there are a lot of studios out there that the teachers and studio owners come from such a good place and they feel so passionate about Joe's work. But we were not exactly taught the business side of how you actually open a studio, how you run a studio, because we're working on the technique, we're working on the ex this extensive repertoire. So... For example, in your opinion, what would be the most 
effective or effective forms of advertising and promotions to help a studio continue to flourish? Sure. And if I may, you know, I'd like to start and I think I can be helpful at a, at a little bit higher level than that. And as I sit down and think about, I've been in the yoga world for 30 years, so I understand you know, the art and the skill and the type of psyche and personality it takes to be a Pilates teacher, a yoga teacher. And I think that the first thing that you need to do, whether you're thinking about starting your own studio or whether you have a studio and want to keep it successful or make it more successful, is you need to think about what is my plan? What is it that I am trying to achieve? What is it that I'm trying to get done? And to realize, I think this is very important, that you are an entrepreneur. You may not know it. You may not feel it, but you are. Because true entrepreneurship is really about being practical, about being realistic, and about being reasonable in the way you approach your business. And all of you have that. And it may not be something that you think about all the time and you think about yourself as an entrepreneur, but what we're going to talk about today is how do you harness those things within yourself to build a better practice or to start a practice? And the first thing you have to understand is, yes, I can do this and I have this in me. No, I don't have formal training in business. No, I've been an instructor for my life. Yes, I've studied yoga. Yes, I've studied Pilates. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. What it takes is a commitment to do the things that you need to do to get there. And they may not be your favorite things, but they're the things that you need to do. And that's about being realistic about what you're doing every day. You know, it's nice to say, I just want to be in the clouds and teach and think about what Joe taught me and teach others. But unfortunately, the world doesn't work that way. So being realistic about what you need to do is important and understanding that you can do it. So you sit there and you think about, okay, let's be very practical about what we have. I either want to start a yoga studio because I've been an instructor for years and I feel I'm ready to make that leap or I have a yoga studio and I want it to be more successful. So how do I go about that? It's really practical thinking. So you think about, okay, what kind of area am I in? Am I in a very affluent area where these people are going to come to me in droves because everyone's got a lot of disposable income? Am I not in that kind of an area? Depending upon, because I only have the questions, I don't have the answers. And so depending upon what kind of area I'm in, that will dictate what kind of studio I'm going to open. That will dictate what kind of fees I have, I can, I can charge rather. So it may be that you need to think about being in a studio that does more mat work because you can charge $12 or $15 an hour, uh, rather a lesson. Or you may need to compete against yoga studios that can charge $129 a month for all the lessons that you can get. And it's not a matter of what's better or what's worse. Again, what is practical? Think practically. Because it's easy to just say, 
I know Pilates is so much better for you, so much better for your body, so much better for your mind than any other form of exercise that you can do. I mean, that's great. But if you're not thinking about, I live in an area where people can't afford to pay 50 or 75 or $100 an hour to be able to get those services from me, then you need to be practical and understand that and think about that and understand how do I harness the people in my area to be able to get them into the studio and build a studio. So I think that number one is I don't think about profit. Think about being reasonable. And I think about being practical. And I think about being a person who really sits down and says, what is this really all about? What am I really trying to do? I'm trying to get people to come in and pay me for my service. How do I do that? And put a plan together. Think about other studios in your area. How far away are they? How close are they? What kind of model do they use? What are they doing for advertising? All these things are not rocket science. They're just sitting down and being practical and being smart and saying, hey, I know how to do this too. I know how to be practical. I know how to be smart. I just need to start to channel myself in a way of thinking about how to make this work for me as well. So what you're saying is the advertising and the promotions aspect can't really come into play until you're super clear about where you're going to be, who is your audience or who is your customer base, what's happening around you. And you have to be realistic about if you if you are going to compete with other studios that if you're in a city, there are probably a number of studios that are around the same radius. So you have to think about perhaps ways to advertise and promote your studio that is different than what is out there. And you won't know until you do. So you need some research. You need to, you need to, or someone that you know, you need to hire. They need to go and research what else is out there. Absolutely. And you may find that you need to more mimic what's going on with studios that can bring in many people into a group setting. And then while they're in there with you, then you can upsell your services for your individual lessons where you can really make more margin, more profit, because now you've got them in there. You've given them something that they can afford. You've given them something where they've starting to get the feelings of what their body is, how their body is growing, what their body is feeling like. And then you can take to the next level, the people that can afford it. You know, if I think about Pilates, it's a very, it's, it's not an easy sell sometimes. It's not an easy discipline to, no. to structure into a business. And that's because it really requires a lot of individual attention. It requires expensive equipment. It requires a lot of skill and knowledge. And there aren't many people out there who have that kind of disposable income. So, you know, again, I have the questions, not the answers, but like thinking about those hard questions, putting those hard questions to yourself and not being afraid to go there and actually relishing to go there and say, you know, what is the reality of my business? Yes, this is expensive. Yes, the equipment costs a lot of money. 
Am I in an area where people can afford this? If not, what are alternatives that I can do to get it to get it going? I'm again here to help you to think practically and ask the right questions uh, because it's expensive to charge to to pay fifty seventy five dollars an hour and get that enough every month so that you're making the kind of progress that you want to make and. You have to face those facts. You have to sit down and think about those things that you don't really want to think about, but you need to in order to be successful. I think this is the reason why the reformer classes came into being. I believe it started in Southern California because it is expensive. I'm not quite sure exactly why it has to be so expensive, but their studios started popping up and just offering what is called reformer classes. And I do remember having my studio in Hollywood and someone calling me up and saying, do you teach reformer classes? Which was for us who learned the entire Pilates system was a very bizarre question. But looking at it as a business, if you have 10 reformers and you get 10 bodies on those reformers, you're making more in that one hour than if you were just to have a private lesson or a duet. So. And, right. and if I if I if I may, and you're increasing your base so that from those people you will get one or two or three people who will come in and and be with you for those private lessons. So that's why, exactly as you said, you don't have the luxury when you're a when you're a business person when you're dealing with the real world for you in that situation you just spoke about to say. Hmm. You know, no, I don't, I don't do that. That, that, That's that's not true Pilates. That's not what, that's not what Joe had in mind. So we don't do that. Thank you very much. You know, goodbye. That's something for you to, to think about and consider. And you may or may not do it, but as someone who wants to go into business, as someone who's practical, as someone who's looking at all of the aspects of how to be successful, it's something you consider. When you were moving up in the world, were there uh, mentors or people or books or any kind of outside help that gave you the confidence and gave you the, besides being an attorney, something in the business model that you naturally gravitated towards? Was, Was there someone who helped you just know that you could do it? Because I think that also plays into teachers who have spent their life working technique and may not really know how to go out into the world and recruit students, let alone teachers that are going to be loyal. It's a whole other skill set. I would say, yes, it is another skill set. And, you know, there's two answers the first answer is, I believe that you all have it in you. You are all smart, practical, reasonable, intelligent people. And it doesn't take more than that because you know your business better than anyone. You know what you do every day. No one's going to give more thought and care to what you have to do. And no one is going to get out there and protect your finances and your life and your livelihood than you are. And you can't depend on other people to do it. Now, that said, 
there are people who are experts. I mean, I just hired a fabulous company called Schulberg Media. Uh, they uh, are media experts. They're helping me rebrand my business. I'm not an expert in that. And you know, no matter how smart I think I am or I'm not, and I never felt the smartest person in the world, but I was willing to dig in and I was willing to ask the hard questions. But, you know, Schulberg Media is helping me to rebrand the company because they have the expertise. What I do feel comfortable with is when they give me choices or when they lead me in a direction to be able to say, I like that a lot, but, you know, I think that, you know, I, but this feels better or that feels better. And no one's going to know better than you. So you listen to the experts, you let the experts guide you. And by the way, I recently heard a story about someone who was also rebranding, hired some experts for, uh, paid them a lot of money. And no matter what the experts said, they said, no, I don't like that. Here's what I want to do. So I think you also need to listen to the experts, but depend on yourself, depend on your own intuition, depend on your own intelligence and know that no one's going to protect you and your finances and your business better than you, and you can do it. Um, I don't spend a lot of time reading uh, business books. I think they're great, and I recommend that everybody go to the library, go to a bookstore rather, and go to the the business uh, section and see if there's something in there you like. Get online and just kind of peruse, but I find that your time. So nothing, nothing in particular that, that comes to mind? No, I, I think that your time is best spent sitting down and talking to your friends, working with other people who are business people and saying, hey, can we sit down for a half hour? Because I've been thinking about some things about what I might do. And I looked at this area and there's a studio over there that does this and a studio that's eight miles away over there. And I've checked out the demographics of the area because that stuff's available online. And there are this many people in the area. And this is kind of what their medium income, median income is. So I was thinking that this might be something that could work. What do you think? I think you go to other intelligent and business type people who have that kind of experience and bounce things off of them. To me, that's more valuable time spent than reading a book about Freakonomics. Mm -hmm. Not that that book about Freakonomics isn't a a great book. I feel like Seinfeld in the, whenever they spoke about gay people, they would say, not that that's not okay. (laughs) So, um, Uh, So it's a good practice, but I think thinking things on your own and bouncing them off of business people that are friends of yours, and everyone's happy to help you. People would be happy to help, especially if they feel you're doing the work and helping yourself. Do you consider yourself a mentor? I do, but mostly as of late. Uh, I'm... Because you're getting uh, older. I'm no spring chicken anymore. <laughs> that's for sure. As, as you heard from that intro, I'm 66 years old. And I do feel, and, and I've got someone great in this business who really watches me in the negotiations. And I really believe listens and he'll wind up taking over this company. And I think that's part of why he'll be great at doing it because he does listen and watch and and you can do the same things. You can listen and and watch um, as you ask uh, people about your thoughts 
uh, but do the work. Now, no one's going to give it to you. No one's going to do the work for you. You have to be ready to do the work. And again, it may not be the work that you love. You know, I'm not crazy about finances. I'm not crazy about digging into QuickBooks and finding out my margins, all that stuff. But this morning, I had an issue and I had to sit down with my finance manager and ask about, we have this issue and we've got to pay this person and we got to bill out late and can we pay? You just have to do it. And that's part of being a mature adult who's going to run a business and, uh, and be responsible to yourself and the people around you. Would you recommend potential studio owners getting a loan from a bank? So in my business, I, um, I don't, maybe it's a result of having years of law behind me and guiding other people and seeing that a lot of the people that would come into me that are in real trouble financially had guaranteed leases and signed guarantees on promissory notes for businesses and whatnot. So I've always felt that if you don't have the finances yourself to put up into the business and support the business, because remember, it's not just about signing a lease and putting down first and last and getting some equipment in. You need to also be able to sustain the business for a period of time. You need to be able to finance a period of time in which you are getting started. And all of that takes capital. And my recommendation is if it doesn't work, you want to be able to move on with your life. And the fear is that if it doesn't work and you've taken out loans and you've signed personal guarantees, then you've got years of difficulty ahead of you and you are making money. Maybe you go back to being a teacher. And I don't want to be negative here, but this is part of being practical. This is part of being realistic, which is what you all are doing and going to do, maybe even more after this discussion. But then you don't have to go back and take that money that you're making while you start over again, maybe while you use the lessons that you learned to start a new business and make some money, you're not paying off what you did in the past. So I wouldn't say that I don't recommend it, but you need to be very careful because you don't want to put yourself in a position where in the event, things don't go as well as you would expect. And, you know, you never know. I know a person that started what I thought was going to be a fabulous business and uh, they had hired a bunch of people and raised money and raised money from friends and family. And they started this business and it was in the hospitality business. And within a month of starting the business, COVID hits. Oh, and you gosh. just don't know everything. That's, I always say, you know, bin Laden may come back from the dead. We just don't know. And so it's not just like I wasn't successful or I didn't do it. There are exigent circumstances out of your control that could come up. You could get you could get sick and not be able to uh, uh, to do the work. I would be careful about putting yourself out there um, for something that could follow you around for a long time to come. Okay, going back to what you said about a lease, 
or was that just in my head? No, I indicated that uh, leases, that signing personal guarantees on leases was always difficult for me. I mean, I would set up a corporation, set up an LLC, you set up an entity, you see your lawyer for that, you make sure. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Just a basic lease for renting a studio space. Does this studio potential or upcoming studio owner, do they need to hire someone like you with this legal background, just a simple lease because things can happen and you've already dug in and maybe it's a five-year lease and something happens. Shouldn't the studio owner bring a legal person into their world? I can't imagine the thought of not telling everyone out there that starting a business without at a minimum good CPA advice, good accounting advice, but also good legal advice, just you can't do it. Because the goal would be, and can't always be done, but the goal would be to set up an entity of some kind and your lawyer can tell you what's best for you. There are all different kinds of corporations are different than limited liability companies that are different from subchapter S corporations and your attorney and your accountant will be able to tell you what's best for you. But then the lease in theory and best case would be signed by the company and it would be the responsibility of the company. And if it didn't work out and the company failed, then not the individual. Is that what you're saying? Not the individual. Then there are scenarios in which that failure would go to the company. The company goes away And uh, I mean, it's not that simple, but you want to set yourself up to shield yourself from somebody coming in and hurting themselves in some way and bringing an action against you. An employee who claims that they weren't treated properly by you in any way, shape or form. There's just a myriad of things that can happen. And you want all that stuff to be shielded from you by some sort of a corporate uh, entity, if you can. And lawyers will be able to help you with that. And these are the things that you need capital for. You need to be able to plan for that. And when you sit down, you're thinking about getting your company started. You're thinking about getting your studio started. Okay, I'm going to need, how much am I going to need for a lawyer? How much am I going to need to set up the corporation? How much am I going to need to go to the accountant to get started? What am I going to need for equipment? How long am I going to need to be sure that I can run it before I know that I'm making income? How much is insurance going to be? Um, How much is the equipment going to be? Am I going to buy it? Am I going to lease it? Um, Am I going to pay for it outright? All these are questions that you sit down and think through clearly before you move forward. And then Go see your lawyer, see your accountant, talk to your friends about what are the right ways for you to move forward that give you the best chance of success and the best chance that if you're not successful, that it's something that doesn't drag you down for a long period of time. After. And there would be no shame in going from a studio owner to back to just teaching Pilates and not having all that responsibility. I've failed in businesses and, you know, hardly know anyone that hasn't failed in businesses. And, you know, what made me think about the person who started that business in COVID hit was when you talked about she had taken out significant loans and put her home up as security for loans. And it really hurt her for a long time to come. And, And there's a situation where 
I mean, she had nothing to be ashamed of. Who knew that that COVID was going to hit and no one could go out for four or five months and she's sitting there with a lease and employees and insurance and equipment payments and all these things. So there's, there's no shame in it if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I did the best I could, I did the work, I did the planning, and I made good, reasonable decisions based on information that I researched and had and went out and looked for. I failed in business. I remember sitting home once and it was all coming to a crashing end and (laughs) didn't know how I was going to get out. And it's very emotionally draining. And, you know, here I am today without billions, but, you know, be able to go uh, get sushi if I wanted. And afford Pilates. (laughs) Uh, And and I can afford Pilates. I'm pleased to be able to say this. Is there anything else that you can think of that might be helpful for those listening that perhaps they already are in a successful studio and they want more success? Is there a way to see their business more as a business than just bringing in more students, whether it's group classes or privates. Because I go back to what I was saying in the beginning is that we we weren't taught to look at our studio like a business per se. We looked at it as a place for people to uh, learn the repertoire that we feel so passionate about teaching. But if you don't have someone, a business partner, then it's not a nat- I I can I'm speaking for myself, but for others as well. It's not a natural thought process to then have your business that is has some level of success, but now you want why shouldn't you want more so that you can do more with more? Yeah, now you're successful. Now you can bring more to more people, and there's nothing wrong with making more money. So there are several ways to grow. You can just grow organically in the in the space that you have, which is add more teachers, add more classes, and you pay out your teachers, but there's a margin over that and you're making income that way. You can begin to expand your service base. What are the things that you, other things that you can offer? What other kinds of Pilates services can you offer? Can you offer mat work? Can you offer um, those classes that you referred to earlier where you have 10 uh, uh, pieces of equipment? I think they're reformers. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, In your studio and you can begin to offer that to more people. Um, Do you want to begin to sell some other things? You can maybe sell clothing in there or other things that that would be interesting and profitable for you. So that's one way. The other way, uh, other ways are you can take your model, your successful model, and find out where you think your model could be successful in another place. Need to be careful because there's only so much time in every day. There's only so much energy in every body. And so you need to be careful not to have your success actually be what brings you down because ultimately you're trying to be successful in too many places and you can't be successful anywhere. And then there's always the possibility if you're successful of 
finding other studios that are not so successful, going to see the people that own them and talking to them about buying them or partnering with them and then bringing to those studios your successful model. And then you've got something that's already set up. They may have some students and you can now promote your business. You've already got somebody there that you might be interested in working with and who can assist you. And you've got something that you now can expand via purchase, purchasing other businesses. So there's organic growth, which is growth within your business. And then there's purchasing other businesses. And th that can be a very successful model. I build now for extremely successful private equity company. And their model is they take big properties, uh, hospitality properties in really good areas that are kind of run down and don't have great facilities. And they buy all the property up and then they put a whole bunch of money into it and, and put a five-star hotel in there and put in millions of dollars and spruce everything up and make it look great and, and turn that into a real success. And I think that that model really lends itself to something that you all could do as well as taking a studio that needs some sprucing up, needs a different model, needs your ideas, and, um, and you might be able to purchase it at the right price and, uh, uh, and put your name on it uh, uh, and, and make it work. You're asking the listeners who already have their business to think much more out of the box and to see themselves, as you said in the beginning, not just as an entrepreneur, because we all are, but to already envision that you're bigger than you thought that you could ever be and more successful. No doubt. And you, you've got all this in you. Being a business person does not take a lot of genius. It takes dedication. It takes doing the things that you don't like to do. It takes thinking out of the box and it takes sitting down and and just being a practical, reasonable person. Um, and you all are that. So yeah, like, wow, you know, I, there's a studio over on the other side of town that I know is because they got a great facility over there, but they just, you know, that person just doesn't really know how to make it work. And I could go speak to them and talk to them about bringing them in. I know they're not making a lot of money over there. And, and there's another side of town over there that I might be able to tap into and I can bring this to more people. And uh, so those are the kinds of thinking um, that you need to not be afraid of and realize that you've got. That's fantastic advice, George. I think everybody would like to hear yeah. that, that their ideas are special enough to help others succeed. So we raise all ships, right? Yeah, the rising tide rises all ships, right? And, um, and, and you all can do it. And you can start your own studio, you can grow your own studio, you can be a better teacher, you can do all of those things because you're capable of doing it. You just need to understand that I've got that in me as well, even though you never really developed it and didn't know you had it. So whether or not there's failure that allows us to ascend, that we keep going because we know what we have inside. So yeah, it makes me think, it, your business is not an easy one. And it no. makes me think of, uh, I'm building a home now for 
someone who is the largest supplier of orthodonture equipment and hardware that goes in your mouth worldwide. And, you know, I mean, the orthodonture business is, you know, you open up a practice and whether people like it or not, they have to spend $7,000 to get their children's teeth straightened. And if that means going out and driving an Uber, it's something you absolutely have to do. Do you absolutely have to take Pilates lessons? You know, no, you don't. So you need to have, you need to find the people that are, that are passionate or make the people passionate about what you do. And that takes a, a, a special skill and it takes a lot of dedication. So it's not the easiest industry, but that doesn't mean that it's not a great industry. And it doesn't mean that people don't need it. So uh, there are some more, more difficult than others. And we are helping millions and millions of people have a happier life, a happier existence. Think about all the people who walk out of a Pilates class, like I have done several times and say, I feel like three inches taller. I, how do I, why do I feel three inches taller? Yes. I remember that so well walking out of the few Pilates class that I've been to. I feel a lot taller. So, and you know, of course that's just the result of all the good things happening in my body. Right. So yeah, if you could bring that to the masses, hallelujah, sister. Absolutely. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, George. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. If anyone wants to reach out to you because they are attracted to your personality, your words, your wisdom, and they are looking for a mentor, maybe you would be interested or maybe you know of others who have already arrived. They have already made their mark that maybe they can pass on some of their information. If that is the case, is there a number that people can reach out to you? I'm always happy to help. And my suggestion would be that they contact you, let you know that they're interested. You know where I am and we can talk and then I can get in touch with them and let them know where they, I can give them a resource or I can be a resource for them. Excellent. Yeah. And I'm happy to, help. and I'm always happy to help. Thank you, George. Yeah, my pleasure. And best of luck to all of you out there. You've got it in you. All Things Pilates is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Mastered audio mix by Fabian Romero. Theme music, Soul Blues Piano Shuffle by Boom Zoom. For Pilates teachers who are imagining what it might be like to have your own studio, think of yourself as a visionary, because that's who you are. For studio owners, whether you know it or not, you are already entrepreneurs. So keep faith in yourself and in your students and also in Joe Pilates, who knew what he was doing, and so do you. As always, I remain in awe of Joe's work and I look forward to being with you in a couple of weeks for another episode of All Things Pilates.